0: If you have your Bibles, this morning we're going to be in 2 Kings, but we're not going to quite get there yet. I trust everyone has a bulletin, and on the back of the bulletin there's an outline, and I do have some scriptures today. We're in our series, From Hurt to Healing, and we're in the fourth one, in that we're taking seven traumas in our wonderful counselor. So the first week we looked at heavy burdens, we took a look at Moses, and remember he said, you know, God, why have you... Did I give birth to all these people? Why do I have to deal with their troubles? He was under heavy stress. That's an emotional trauma. That's very heavy. So we talked about loss the next week, and we took a look at Joshua, and he came to the same point, where after they had seen Jericho fall, there was a there was a problem, and and they they had to he had to deal with that. And then we talked last week about failure. What do you do when you fail? And we learned that God has wonderful blessings in our lives when we fail his grace was the theme last week and i'm so grateful for his grace but this week we're taking a look at illness illness and illness is uh, a difficult one but i'm going to dive right into it i've done some homework here um, but john 10:10 10 is the springboard scripture that we have been do i have that on the screen Um, John 10 10 everybody read this with me really loud ready the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly that's where we get the name of our church abundant life I like that name it's a good name Um, when it comes to the blessings of God we're so grateful because he brings encouragement and joy and peace Those are the things that are the intangible qualities and benefits of following Jesus. When we follow him, we don't have to be caught up in all the issues of life. This world seems to get into this and we can worry and fear. And some of that will come into a believer's life. We will have those moments. But I'm grateful that our Lord and Savior comes to give life to the full. Illness, especially chronic illness, is something that can be very discouraging, debilitating. It's a leading cause of mental stress in America. It is so traumatic that it causes some to actually seek suicide when they're in a place where they can't uh, find uh, 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 an escape from their pain, from their illness. Um, Washington State is among one of the states, 10 states in the U.S. have assisted suicide um, in 1989, 90, I, rem- I don't know if you remember Dr. Kevorkian and his um, s- uh, assisted suicide back in the day for terminally ill people because chronic illness becomes such a mental fatigue and such a crisis for a person, they want out and they just the uh, drugs and other things can't seem to help them. California had, uh, in, from 2016 to 2021, given 3,766 prescriptions for assisted suicide. 2,400 were used. Colorado in 2022, 316 were 316 prescriptions for what's called their aid in dying uh, law. Oregon suicide law on the books there since 1997. Uh, 3,700 people were given prescriptions, 2,450 patients actually followed through. In Washington State, we have had 400 prescriptions given and 291 took them. We can appreciate chronic illness, can't we? We can appreciate the pain that might come with that. But as believers, we have the advantage of hope. We have the advantage that everyone else doesn't have. Now, it doesn't make us immune from the pain. I've walked with people that have been chronically ill or, and on their deathbed. I have been in the room when last breaths were breathed, and it is something to behold. Um, we're taught in the Bible that healing is for, from God, that God heals. And I am so grateful for that. And we've experienced healing. We've seen it in this very room. We have prayed for people in one of our prayer meetings. One of the guys in our prayer meeting said, uh, I have spots in my eyes. And we prayed. And it, uh, after that, they were gone. We had a gal that we prayed for here um, that was blessed by um, having her lung restored. We, we prayed for Pete not that long ago. Remember, and his back was healed. We, there's been different things where God has healed people and we rejoice in those healings um, and, and it's that's good. God heals and while it's true that God heals, God doesn't heal everyone, at least not the way I expect. And it is not always God's will to heal everyone the way I expect him to. God doesn't act according to my will or your will, he acts according to his will. You see, if you and I are not healed, it doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith. I have heard people say that and teach that, and I don't find that in scripture. You know, pagan religions worship gods that could be enchanted with, uh, charmed with incantations or influenced by offerings. And it's even crept into the church world today. But when we reduce God to a cheap, simple marketing scheme, it really insults the character of God. Let me just say from the outset, God heals. And it's always for his glory. There are some that say, well, you just have to have enough faith. And if you're not healed, it's your fault or somebody else's fault that prayed for you um, because of their lack of faith. And that brings up a whole definition of faith. Some believe that faith means if I really, really want something and I wish it into existence, I believe it's going to happen. And if I really, really want this to happen, it still does not Put God in the position that he'll just give me my wish, like a genie in a bottle. That's not what we learn about God's character from the scripture. That's not faith. That's actually superstition. In Hebrew, the word faith, emnuah, it means, it's, it's literally means a secure thought or have a surety, to be sincerely sure of something. In Hebraic thought, it is illustrated as a secured nail, it's If you can get this picture of a nail, it's like a nail in a doorpost. That nail is strong, and I know the nail will hold. And that's kind of what the word is used to describe. And I don't have to convince myself of that or exercise any blind faith to see that come to, to a conclusion. I simply know that I know. That is biblical faith. Faith is defined by Jesus. Just don't doubt. Don't doubt. Friends, something is very true, and I think in terms of maybe you've been praying for healing in your body, you've, you're suffering with a chronic pain or illness, realize that we live in a sin-sick, fallen world, and we are still subject to this environment, and I hope that brings you some comfort, because you're, getting frustrated with God doesn't help. He wants to love on you. And and work in your life and my life. It doesn't mean at all that God doesn't heal. He certainly does. It only means that we live in a world, even though we're not of this world, it means that the whole world is under the curse of sin. That's what the Bible teaches. That when sin came into the world, all of a sudden something happened to Adam and Eve. They understood this thing called time. And what did that mean? It meant they grew older and they died. That had not existed. It wasn't something that was in their purview at this point. Sin come came because of that disobedience to God. And it is a curse. The Bible says, in fact, in Corinthians and second Corinthians, that it's like the whole world is under the curse of sin and that sin is actually decaying the very physical fabric of the world. That is actually happen happening. We live in this world, and it means the whole world. All the flesh is under the curse of sin, and we're subject to those things. If it were not true, then Adam and Eve would still be alive today. Um, The curses of sin, the results of that are sickness and and illness and death and disease, pain, suffering, uh, mental trauma, all because of sin. Have you ever considered the weight of the curse of sin? It's huge. In other words... How do we get sick because of sin? Have you ever thought about that? Don't confuse a curse of sin on our, on our flesh or on the flesh with the, temptation, with the redemption, I should say, of the Spirit. Because Jesus came and he gave life, and he gave his life so that, our, our, that death was defeated. Scripture says that when Christ came and he rose from the grave, he took the keys of hell, death, and the grave. He conquered death. In our minds, we think that death is the, is the funeral home. It's the ground. It's the, it's the urn that our family is going to dump us on the top of Mount Rainier one day out of. I, I don't know. That's our concept of death. But as a believer, when our last breath in this planet is our first breath in heaven. You you don't miss a beat. You are there. Just like that's what Paul says this. I believe Jesus teaches this. This is all in the scripture. So don't confuse the curse of sin on the flesh. Because our flesh is going to die. Unless the Lord comes soon. Which I I very well believe that that could happen. Um, uh, And the redemption of our spirit is still true. Believers got COVID. Go figure. So why do we get sick? Well, you know, the Bible has some things to say about that principally. And I want to bring some of these things out before we dive into the scripture. I know it's weird. I usually start with a big scripture and we go, but the topic is so alive. Did you know that food is one way that makes us ill? A famous dietitian wrote, if you tell me what you eat, I'll tell you what, how can a dietitian be famous? I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you, if you tell me what you eat, I'll tell you how you will get sick and usually how you will die. A hundred years ago, there were no processed foods like today. Today, food has nutrients and things taken out to make it look better and taste different so we become addicted to the taste, he writes. God gives good food. Um, think about the way that God made for us to eat as everything that we need. And just the opposite is, my, like my doctor says, stay away from the white powders. <laughs> Sugar and caffeine, just stay away from them. And carbohydrates, but, you know, some some good carbs, obviously. But we have genuinely changed our food groups to sugar, caffeine, and processed foods. Those are our big three right now. And the way that we eat kills us or heals us. Stress is the number one reason for doctors' visits today. I did not know that. And stress is the number one reason for prescribed medications. God didn't design our body to operate under all kinds of undue stress that we put it through in the day in which we live and, and ignore God's way by not resting. God's prescription of the Sabbath in the Old Testament is principally true for us today. We can't ignore the fact that if God designed a day of rest for his people back then, he certainly meant it for those who are still alive today. Debt can be stressful. Debt. Um, uh, having lots of work here's the truth about stress stress is our doing in our choice we choose the things that we do and sometimes we find ourselves getting when I was younger I wasn't sick very often and then uh, I got married and I wasn't sick very often I became a pastor and I got sick all the time I go figure um, I don't know what happened um, but you know as a boy I, I think I was pretty strong I, nothing but then one day i found myself in the in the hospital my boys had to carry me in i had this heart episode i had to have emergency surgery and all this stuff happened and my body was falling apart and on the table i thought i was going to die i was ready i was i was feeling such pain how many have been there you felt that kind of pain where it's like lord I'm, i'm just ready And I realized I started complaining to God. You know, God, I'm working these jobs, and we got the church as well, and I'm doing all this stuff, and I complained. God, I said, "My, you said my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Lord, what's going on? The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and He said, "Yeah, but that's not my burden. Stress is things that we put on ourselves." Talk about getting gobsmacked! I got gobsmacked. So we get sick because of stress we're under. Every time we don't give God our cares and, and take on too much, we forfeit healing. We push it aside. Um, there's a couple things about that with stress. Number one, turn your worry list into your prayer list. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious for anything, but in all things with prayer and petition, present your requests to God. 4 6. And the peace of God that passes under, all, under, all your understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And secondly, embrace God's prescription for the Sabbath. God intended you to have rest, and you need rest. Thirdly, another reason that we get sick is because we have it in our genetics, in our family history. Some of us have diabetes naturally, like it runs in my family. My grandfather had it, My my mom has type 2. And so heart disease, things uh, as we get older, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's and just plain old-timers, um, the the reason for all this is because we live in a sin-sick fallen world, right? And we are in this environment, and we are going to get sick. The reason for this, for for some more than others, um, is because of genetics. I was talking to uh, Dan, I don't see him right here, but uh, I was, he's so spry for his age, he's just like, yeah, there he is right there. And I'm like, man, how did you do that? I mean, he like Terrible stuff. You ought to go out to lunch with this guy. He's a genuine foodie, right? So, I mean, he can eat anything. He doesn't gain a pound. I was like, what's going on? And he told me one time, he says, it's just genetics. And I, that's true. Some people naturally have it. Don't you just hate them? I mean, just, uh, it's just the way that it is. The reason for this is, again, we live in a sin-sick, sin-corrupted, fallen world. And we find this true with sin as well. What one generation allows in moderation, the next allows in excess. And, and the, true is all, the same thing is also true unless the bloodline is broken. Whew. Unless the bloodline is broken. The reason Jesus came and died and gave his life was so so that we could break the bloodlines of sin and be restored to the bloodline of Abraham, to the bloodline of Jesus by the grace of God. We're going to get more into that later. That'll preach, right? Have I got you? All right, good. But being in this world that's sin sick means that we're just exposed. Fourth, and I want to be careful with this one because I don't want us to get too... Distracted by it. The oppression of the demonic. Luke chapter 13, verse 11. I want to read this scripture. Um, I think I have the, I don't know if I have the scripture or not. But I'm only going to read through verse 13. Uh, Luke 13, 11. There was a woman who had a disabling spirit. Disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, could not fully straighten herself. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called to her and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability, is the word that the Bible uses. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So Jesus identified the cause of her condition as being a disabling spirit. Or some translations call it a spirit of infirmity. And this is the work of the demonic on her, not in her, and on the believer, but not in the believer, right? Satan cannot possess the life of a believer. He cannot come inside you and play house. The Bible does say, Jesus says, those who were oppressed by the enemy from the outside were subject to the world. We're subject to the environment. Uh, he is the prince and power of the air for now. Acts 10:38 says that Jesus went everyone, everywhere, healing those who were oppressed of the devil. So what is the spirit of infirmity here? You, it basically means you never get well. You're, you, one thing goes away and something else comes up. it's a chronic state of not ever getting well, always sick. You can't have a demon. I don't believe Christians can be demon-possessed. We can't medicate a demon. We have to confront it in Jesus' name. I'm not saying this is your condition. I'm just saying that Jesus heals everything, and this is that's in this world because He's overcome the world. Our scripture picture, a scripture character today is Hezekiah. Hezekiah is an incredible guy. He's been king of Judah for 29 years, so Israel and Judah are divided, and. The northern, there's 12 tribes. The northern 10 tribes are Israel, and the southern two tribes are Judah and Benjamin. And he is the king of Judah for 29 years. He does incredible things. The Bible says he removes all of the high places uh, that they were worshiping pagan gods. Hezekiah also tore down the Asherah poles that they had built and erected uh, for false worship. He had also torn down the bronze snake that Moses had erected. I don't know if you remember this, but all the Israelites are in the desert. They're complaining again to God about, oh, just a couple of things, one main thing. But they're complaining to God, and that, so God, the Bible says, sends snakes among them, starts biting them, and many of the people die. And, and Moses is like, what do we do about it? the people are coming to Moses? Please tell the Lord for us. Take the snakes away. This is terrible. So God instructs Moses to fashion this bronze serpent on a stick, and he sticks it, and everybody that comes and looks at it's healed. And so they do. Well, years later, I mean, years later, they're worshiping the stick now. These people are just messed up in the brain. Not only were they getting, giving God the glory for it, they were worshiping the very thing, just the, something that Moses had made, that God told him for the time. Somebody's calling me. That's not me, that's him. Everybody look at him. Okay? Um, <laughs> and they're worshiping the, the, the manufactured thing. So everybody's coming to this bronze snake on a pole, and that could be an important call, of course. Maria's in the hospital, we know. Um, but the, he, they're looking at this thing, they're getting healed, and, and so now they're worshiping it. They're bringing sacrifices to it. They're, they're doing all these things. And, and so he tears down that because it's a false god. He trusted in, to God to such a degree that the Bible says in Judah, there was not a king like him before or after. He was this great guy. He loved God. Hezekiah loved God. In 2 Kings chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, I also have this one on the screen. Let's read this about his character and who he is. Second Kings 18.5. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commandments the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute He also conquered the Philistines as far as Gaza and his territory from their smallest outpost to their largest walled city. What has happened, or what is about to happen here, is Assyria comes in to Israel, the northern ten tribes, and carries off their people and their stuff and subdues them. Scripture says God allowed this because they stopped serving God. And he takes control, the king of Assyria takes, takes control of all the fortified areas, the military outposts fortified of Judah as well. So Hezekiah's back, King Hezekiah's back is against the wall. He, he offers Assyria's king whatever he wants. So Hezekiah winds up sending, uh, ser, uh, giving Sennacherib, the King of Assyria Sennacherib, eleven tons of silver and a ton of gold it's a lot of, a lot of wealth. The problem is that senacherib won 't stop he 's still coming after them, and he 's coming after Jerusalem, where Hezekiah is king but one of hezekiah's or one of senacherib's generals goes to the wall outside of Jerusalem with a some of his thugs um, sent from um, sent a cherub, and this general is shouting at the people at the wall, and he's saying, "You know, we've conquered everybody. Um, all the look at all the gods from all these other nations. You don't hear about them anymore. Old Jerusalem, old King Hezekiah, the the king of Judah. Um, your God will be the same as theirs. Um, how can the how can the gods of other nations?" If they couldn't stand up against us, what makes the, you think that's yours? And if that wasn't bad enough, um, Assyria's king, Sennacherib, writes a letter to, uh, to King Hezekiah basically saying the same thing. I'm coming for you. There's nothing your God will be able to do to stop me. So Hezekiah's upset. I mean, I would be upset as well, right? It, I mean, Hezekiah's not feeling it. So, but he doesn't sit around and worry. He does something remarkable. He doesn't sit around. He doesn't doesn't plan. He doesn't muster an army. He he doesn't strategize. He goes straight to the house of the Lord and prays. He goes, first of all, he runs to God. He meets there with Isaiah, the prophet, of course, and Isaiah prophesies, yeah, big deal. Don't worry about it. God is going to deliver. Don't fret. But something powerful happens during Isaiah's prophecy. Right in the middle of it, God reveals a bigger picture. Look in 2 Kings 19, verse 32. It says, Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. God makes this point. No matter what you see, my will and my purpose will be accomplished. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Faith means trusting God and not doubting. That's simply what it is. It's saying, God, I'm putting in, in your care my life. I'm giving you all of my plans, all of my worry, all of my fear. You see the pain that I'm under right now. And the reason God doesn't heal sometimes the way that we think that he should is that God has a purpose and a plan for you and in the affliction. I know we may not like to hear that, But his will is at a premium when there's affliction in a believer's life. Paul was given a sickness or pain in his side, the Bible says. He desperately prayed three times for God to take it away, and yet it remained. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment. Why would God allow that? I mean, isn't God good? Isn't He just supposed to make us happy with roses and rainbows? I mean, that's just who God is, right? I mean, that—that's what we want from Him. That's just the life we expect: roses and rainbows, no hardship, no trials, no troubles. But the Bible says Paul's testimony is quite different. He said, it was given to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord, take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults, in hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So what? Do we sit around? Do we sulk? Do we do nothing? Do we moan? Do we complain? That's not what Hezekiah did. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Paul actually says here, I take pleasure in my infirmities. What? That's messed up right there. That is just not right. I mean, can you say that? Wow. That, that's some heavy principle there. Do you take pleasure, delight in your infirmities? Why? Because God had and desired to and did and worked through Paul in the most amazing way. We have some of our biggest and deepest theological concepts from Paul in the church today more than 2,000 years later. We have structure for our gatherings. We have instructions on on how a Christ follower should live in perilous days from a man who wrote things 2,000 years ago. I wonder why God may have a purpose for your affliction. I don't know. What great plan might he be working? I, I don't know. I, I, I would reckon to believe that maybe Paul didn't even know the length of it when he died. How could he possibly have known? James and Paul both bring out important principles. Prayer about needs that we have is necessary. In fact, James 5 goes on to say that we are to ask God and the prayer offered in faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. The Lord will raise him up. The Lord's way and the Lord's time and the Lord's best, simply the Lord's will. Paul's statement here was to say that God had a reason for his infirmity and gave him healing his healing, God's healing in his way and in his time. 2 Kings 19, look at how God answers and what he does for Hezekiah. And it says in verse 35, And that night the angel of the Lord went and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Syrians. They didn't have to lift a finger. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, all, there were all these dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed. Yeah, I guess. He's running now. He's leaving. He's cutting ties. He's, he's getting out of Dodge. He, he knows better. And Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived in Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nishrak, his god, whatever, and Shazar, his sons, struck him down with a sword and escaped into the land of Ararat. And Esherodon, his son, reigned in his place. It's remarkable how God does things when we don't know what to do. Do you remember the children of Israel going through Egypt and they come across they're thirsty and they come across the waters at Mara. Mara means bitter. The water there was bitter. They couldn't drink it. It was it was not good enough to drink. And they're complaining. They're thirsty. I mean, I could imagine, right? I know what it's like to be in 107 degrees on a motorcycle, and the pavement is 130 degrees, pounding heat back up at you. I mean, that's terrible. I know what it's like to work outside, framing in hot days, and you get all sweaty. And it, it just, again, nothing like drinking some water. I mean, forget the pop and stuff. When you're that thirsty, you just want water. You just, that's it. And they're thirsty, and they come to the waters, and they're, they're, they can't drink the water, and they're upset. And so, God tells them, Moses, he throws the stick in the water, makes the water sweet, and they're all happy and everything. They drinks stuff. The thing that they didn't realize, and I don't think we do, one of our men's Bible groups years ago went through a series, and we learned some interesting things about the waters at Mara. Did you know that in the waters at Mara, there was something remarkable there, and there, there is still today? As the children of Egypt were, le- as the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, they carried with them all kinds of parasites. I mean, imagine what just happened. There are dead frogs and flies and locusts everywhere. The place is teeming with, with disease and yuckiness and grossness. And they carried with them the diseases of the Egyptians, the Bible said. The Bible tells us this. So they have these diseases. And what ha- what's, needs to happen is they need to get cleaned out. Well, come to find out these waters contain magnesium. Have you ever drank milk of magnesia? You know what that does to you? Man, it cleans you out. They needed a good cleaning. Sometimes we don't like to take the prescription God gives. Irritations cause us to murmur. These people, the Bible says, God says, they've tasted my bitterness. God wants to me to accept the following cross so that he can heal others through me as well. You know, Elisha told Naaman to dip in the river seven times. Filthy river. Why, I could go back home. The rivers are much cleaner than this Jordan. I want to go to the specialist. Trusting God for your healing, but understand it's always his way, his time, and for his purposes. And God works through those people because he makes our bodies to heal by themselves. God will reveal your real motivation through illness as well. Hezekiah turned the tables on his debilitating disease and he told the Lord that he found it regrettable and because later on Hezekiah got sick, very ill. And the thing that Hezekiah did was not necessarily pray that God would heal him, but he said, Lord, I find it regrettable that I won't be able to serve you with my full strength. In fact, he writes a a poem in Isaiah 38, and I want us to read this. I'm going to read all the way down from verse 9 through verse 20. It's one of the most beautiful things ever written by someone who was stricken with such debilitating chronic disease. When Hezekiah was well again, he wrote this poem, verse 10. I said in the prime of my life, must I now enter the place of the dead? Am I to be robbed of the rest of my years? I said never again will I see the Lord God while still in the land of the living. Never again will I see my friends or be with those who live in this world. My life has been blown away like a shepherd's tent in a storm. It has been cut short as a weaver his cloth cuts from a loom. Suddenly my life was over. I waited patiently all night but I was torn apart as though by lions. Suddenly my life was over, delirious. I I, uh, chattered like a swallow or a crane, and then I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew tired of looking to heaven for help. I am in trouble, Lord, help me. But what could I say? For he himself sent this sickness. How can I walk humbly throughout the years because of this anguish I have felt? Lord, your discipline is good, for it leads me to life and health. You restore my health and allow me to live. Yes, this anguish was good for me, for you have rescued me from death and forgiven all my sins. For the dead cannot praise you. They cannot rise to raise their voices in praise. Those who go down to the grave can no longer hope in your faithfulness. Only the living can praise you as I do today. Each generation tells of your faithfulness to the next. Remember this one? Think of it, the Lord is ready to heal me. I will sing his praises with instruments every day of my life in the temple of the Lord. Hezekiah acted well. He behaved properly. He trusted God. Let me tell you something true, friends. God will always act in his best interest in your life whether you behave correctly or not. Hezekiah honored God. And God acted in God's best interest for Hezekiah's life. Hezekiah was serving Him. He he sought Him, and he was seeking to destroy all the idols. He consulted God. He worshipped God. He hung around the prophets of God. He was in the house of God. He loved God's voice. He loved God's word. He loved God's stuff. He loved God's people. He he loved doing God things. He was not out of God's calling. He was was not out of God's will. He didn't have sin in his life. How many times have I heard somebody tell somebody that? Oh, your sickness. Oh, you got sin in your life. That's a bunch of bull of honky. It's not necessarily untrue that sin can make us sick. We certainly know that. But Hezekiah's. this isn't the case. Hezekiah didn't lack faith. Yet here it is here he is with this debilitating chronic illness in the middle of it, his attitude is unchanged. I find it regrettable that I will not be able to serve God with my life. Attitude really does determine altitude. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't go around claiming I'm healed over and over again. He's not healed, his body is broken. He recognizes that, he knows it, he feels it. The evidence is certain, the x-rays are in, the blood work has been done. He's sick. He doesn't use the power of positive confession. He simply worships God and trusts God with his life. Obeying God's word, living as God wants you to live does not guarantee a life without trouble. Here's the rub. We will never experience the promises of God until we are able to trust him completely. And could it be that God is using your situation or your illness or your de- debilitation so that you will look to him? So many times we want to run to our crutches, our um, Netflix series, or, or the bottle, or uh, drugs, or relationships. God saying, wait, I, I just... I need your attention. I want you to have fellowship with me and in that intimacy with Christ that those moments where we come to him and we have nothing left and we are exasperated and we say, God, I'm sorry I had to come to this point where, you, where life has just brought me all these situations but Lord, I'm at this moment. I am at your whim. I am at your, I am at your mercy. I, I am at your throne room right now and I say, oh, God, I'm here. I just want to be with you, Lord. I want to be in your presence no matter the ailments or the storms of life. God's friendship and companionship never leaves and the promise of God is this as the psalmist says in Psalm 103 praise the Lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquity the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his stripes we are rafa to mend by stitching we are put together we are healed we are saved the healing power of god is that he calls us and asks us to trust him in the middle of our sickness in the middle of our illness that he would bring his healing and you know what he gives He gives peace. He gives comfort. And in his will, in his time, in his glory, he brings your healing. We're all going to get old and die because of the curse of sin in this world. But this ain't it. It's not over.